The world around us is changing rapidly. Fundraisers and nonprofit marketers like you have to be flexible and innovative to continue to overcome the challenges you face. We're Pursuant, and we're here to provide you with the tools, insights, and strategies you need to get you where you want to go. You're tuned in to the Pursuant Listening Experience. If you've ever had to write a request for proposal for a new fundraising tech stack, you know that evaluating technology for your nonprofit can be a long, drawn-out, hand-wringing process. What's more, once you've made your decision and started implementing it, you find there are little quirks and shortcomings that you never even considered asking about during a demo. That's a feeling that our friends over at Raise Heck want to help prevent you from feeling. Sarah Heaven and Charlotte Cressy are fundraising tech experts, and Taylor and I brought them on the podcast to help you feel confident that you have the right search criteria and the right people in your RFP. Welcome, everyone, to the Go Beyond podcast, and I am thrilled to be speaking today with Sally Heaven and Charlotte Cressy, who recently founded a new company that they're calling Raise Heck, and it is all around technology and nonprofits and how to help your nonprofit find the right tech stack for your organization to get the results that you want. Charlotte, Sally, welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you guys today, and thanks to Taylor for getting this set up. She was sharing with me a little bit before we started rolling today about how you guys have some worked, used to work together in the past, and so you go way back. So I know this is a conversation among friends. And so just to get us started, you ladies recently started your own business after working in the corporate nonprofit technology world for several years. Why did you start this business? What's it all about? All right. Well, here's all about Raise Hack and why we love what we're doing. This is, I'd say, our dream job, me and Charlotte. What we have loved doing about the work that we did in the past was figuring out how to use technology in the best way possible to get the greatest results. And then, you know, we loved helping other nonprofits to do that. And so we spent, both of us have spent our careers, almost the entirety of them, you know, in and around nonprofit technology. And, you know, the most rewarding thing is, you know, helping someone use it to the very best they can. And then as our experience grew over, I think, a combined 40 years of experience, you know, we thought we would like to help nonprofits if what they're using isn't you know, really getting it done for them, we thought we could be really great partners for nonprofits to help them find and figure out what technology would serve them better. So that's what we do every day. We really, we really just love it. We wake up and are so excited to get to work. And I love the name, Taylor here. Hey, (laughs) Sally and Charlotte. It's really fun to have you. And talk with you guys because as Leah mentioned we do go way back to our our convio and our blackboard days and having the right technology will help you raise a heck of a lot more right like is that part of the name tell us a little bit about that (laughs) this is Charlotte yes it is great to be talking with you too Taylor it is part of the name we think that yeah raising heck for 
your cause is kind of the inspiration. But the other kind of thing is that for people to consider is heck is part heaven, Sally's last name, and CK is me, Charlotte Cressy. So little double meaning there. <laughs> Whoa. All right. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm glad that this came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about, we, we like to talk about the RFP process here at Pursuant. And we've talked about it previously in another podcast episode about creating a successful RFP process holistically and, and really in the context of like choosing your agency of record, right? If you're going to go in and create, uh, choose someone to be your fundraising partner. There's also this whole RFP process that sits on the technology side of the house. You know, how do you pick the right technology for your organization? There are so many options now. So let's just get right into this. How do you need to think about things when you're even assessing, like needing to go to a technology RFP? All right. So Charlotte, I, know, I think you've got some thoughts on this. Let's, let's start with you there. Sure. That's a, a great question. I think, you know, so often organizations are just, you know, frustrated with the current solution that they're on or, and they're going to they jump right to an RFP process. And what we think is so critical is that an organization really needs to kind of take a, a step back before they even get there. They need to take an objective view of what, of what their desired outcomes are with the technology and then match them with their goals are for growth for an organization. And one way that we think that an organization can do that is to hire an outside consultant like Grace Hack or anybody to, to help them, you know, with that piece. And I, I, I think that that's important because I think, you know, when you're in the middle of it, like, like anything, like any of us, right, when you're kind of living stuff day to day, it's difficult to, you know, see the forest from the, the trees and to ask the, the right questions. I think kind of before you get into the, the nitty gritty of, you know, oh, this, we, we need this button to do this, we, it's just so critical to take a big picture needs assessment. And, you know, honestly, sometimes what we've seen is that an organization, once they kind of take that big picture view and understanding of what their desired outcomes are by asking the right questions, they may not even end up needing an art, a new solution at all. What they really need to do is to better utilize and, you know, get some additional training or, you know, more staff or, you know, might point them in a different direction entirely from a really what can be, as we all know, a sometimes painful RFP process and then potentially migration. So we think it's critical and I think it can, you know, help an organization save time, money, you know, make the most use out of their, their, their staff and then get the most out of their technology. Awesome. Hey, so just wanted to follow up on that question. So like when you're looking to assess what your current technology is and you're trying to make that determination of, you know, maybe there's some things that you're not happy with your current technology, but you're nervous about, you know, the pain of switching and is it worth going through a whole migration process if it looks like you're going to need to switch technology? What are your recommendations for how an organization gets started doing that kind of an assessment before they decide to go out for RFP? Well, this is Sally. That's a great question, Leah. And like Charlotte just said, I think that you know, part of the, you know, decision of whether or not you're going to go to RFP for technology, definitely you need to figure out where you are. What I'm about to say for assessing where you are as 
part of a technology RFP, like 75% of the work that an organization needs to do actually won't be around the technology until the very last step. So let me explain what I mean. An organization needs to assess what their desired outcomes are from the software solutions that they're using. You need to know what your goals are and then how you want the solutions that you eventually end up using to support achieving your goals. It's really important for leadership and for staff to be really clear on that point because otherwise we just go year to year. We sort of increase our goals maybe by five or 10% or based on what somebody else says. But you know, if you have a plan for your technology, then you're going to be in way better position to be able to use it to its fullest extent and get the most out of it. So that's one thing. What are you trying to do with it? The second is how you do it. So you need to assess your business process and answer some questions. Why do we do things the way we do them? Is it because it's the best way to do things? Or is it maybe that our processes internally have evolved over time? Maybe some of them are artifacts from when we used a certain solution and we had to do things a certain way. So the answer, you know, because we've always done it this way, that is something in a self-assessment a nonprofit should be very suspicious of. Let's dream bigger in an ideal world. How would we do things that would be maximum efficiency? And then the third thing you should assess is your people. And I don't mean that like a performance review, but your staff size. Do you have enough people? Do you have enough people in the right positions who have the right skill sets? A lot of times, people who feel overworked will say, we just need more staff to do this job that I'm finding it difficult to keep up with. But sometimes the answer isn't just adding more people. You can get diminishing returns that way. Instead, maybe you need more specialists or people who are poised to take advantage of maybe a different type of technology in a better way that can save you a lot of time. Part of that assessment isn't also just your staff. It's something that you guys talked about at the top of the podcast, Taylor and Leah. It's do you outsource any functions to consultants or other companies? Maybe those make better sense than doing them in-house. And then there's the converse. Are there, is there anything that you currently do in-house that would be better outsourced? At RaiseHack, we are firm believers of let people do what they're good at. So even though there are some things we know how to do, we hire experts to do them for us. And, you know, we hope that people who need expertise in certain areas, um, if it doesn't make sense to hire that on their staff, you can definitely get it from a great variety of really skilled consultants out there, one of which is Pursuant. All right. So I talked about three things that have, you know, nothing directly to do with actually figuring out whether your solution is the right solution or not. But once you're solid on your outcomes and goals, your business processes, and your people, then you're ready to actually dive in to assess the technology that you have. You should make an inventory of what you have, what these solutions are supposed to be doing, and then a real honest assessment of how well are they performing their functions. Are they getting the job done? Are there any gaps? Are there things that we wish that we could do, but our technology is limiting us and it just doesn't have that capability or we have built some kind of workaround that breaks more often than it works? Then we also need to take a long-term view. What new programs or growth do we expect for our nonprofit and our mission in the coming years? And what type of 
technology support do we think we're going to need to make those new plans and visions come true? So that's the final step. Get your ducks in a row, and then you're ready to actually tackle what you need and want in a new technology solution. You know, Sally, one of the things you said there that struck accord with me is the focus on people. I think it's really easy to get caught up in, well, our technology's not doing this and we need to change or some other thing that's just totally focused on the mechanics of the technology. But you do really have to think about the people. I mean, Leah and I, we actually, we're changing up some of our technology here for our marketing team. Maybe we should have hired you to help with that assessment. But (laughs) The reason why that struck a chord with me is because we did have to really think long and hard around the solution that was best for the team that we have in place, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that that is something that's really important to think about. And I just wanted to dig into that a little bit because it is not just about the features and the functions. It's about how is the team going to best interact with this system? How are we currently able to support it given the team we have or the team we need to build? And so thinking about it from that people perspective, I think is really important and key because you're going to have to have people running the technology and managing it and everything like that. So you've got to be very thoughtful about that. That's a hundred percent true. I mean, For an analogy, I guess, if you have a team and you need to text message each other and the whole team for the last 10 years of their career have been really passionate about iPhones and they're experts with Apple technology, and then you decide that you're going to switch the platform and everyone's going to have to use an Android because it'll be a better, you know, some one better data point maybe on uh you know, the throughput of your text messages or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, then all of a sudden you've got people who were an expert with one thing, you know, being forced to use something new and, you know, they're probably smart and they can figure it out, but, you know, some of them, their performance may suffer because of it. So starting with the people is a great place to start no matter what. Hey there, if you're enjoying this episode, feel free to head over to pursuant.com backslash podcast resources to grab our latest free fundraising resources. We update the page weekly, so be sure to check back regularly to get free fundraising ebooks, webinars, and other resources designed with fundraisers like you in mind. I love the example you just shared because you have to factor in the impact to your team based on their current skill sets and just the way that they're wired and even the way that they learn. I know that one of the kind of key factors for us when we were sort of evaluating some new software was, you know, which of these tools is more easy to use from a visual perspective because we've identified that a lot of people in our team are more visual kinesthetic when it comes to their learning style. And so we needed a tool that we were going to be in that we're going to use every day to execute all of our campaigns that really supports that kind of a learner in addition to making sure that it met all of our requirements in terms of the data we wanted to be able to get out of it and some of the efficiencies that we wanted to solve based on having a small team. And so 
I love a couple of those examples you shared because it really highlights that there are a lot of things that we might not consider when we are evaluating a new software system. You know, a, an RFP can feel pretty reductive when you're looking at a list of requirements and then asking companies to check the boxes, yes or no, does your solution do this? But, you know, it is actually a much more holistic and human-focused experience. That's why so many software companies have big teams that are dedicated to user experience and design. Maybe we can go ahead and move on to uh, the question that we wanted to ask you guys around. What technologies do you think need to be in a nonprofit marketer and fundraiser's forefront right now? What are some technologies that are where the industry is headed that people might not have that they should be considering? Where is technology headed and what should be fundraisers and marketers thinking about? Well, technology is really exciting right now. I'm going to ask Charlotte if she and I can tag team. Maybe uh, we've got a list of our favorite features that we think nonprofit marketers and fundraisers should be keeping top of mind right now. So I'll go first. I think automation is a really big feature in a digital marketing platform because any repetitive task that you can do should obviously be automated at a really basic level. You know, it's like creating an Excel macro, but you can actually have human-focused automation that makes decisions that you've laid out in a defined path in your digital marketing solution. You know, if the donor makes a donation of this type, this amount, this campaign, send them this next message. And, you know, those are decisions that care and thought go into, but the actual writing of the message and then the timing of when to send them has been distilled a little bit down to a science. And so we may as well just have, you know, the solution send it for us. How about you, Charlotte? What's next? I think that another capability that's extremely important is having a strong sustainer functionality. I mean, you know, I, I think that we're just as a, you know, in general, I think we're just getting so used to a monthly payment system, whether it be Netflix or whatever, you know, I think we're just used to you know money coming out of our credit cards every month. And I think that that's become a huge source of income and revenue for nonprofits. And so having the technology that makes that easy for not only the, the fundraisers, but also the supporters is just something that it, it, it's just, you know, it's critical. You know, I think that's, I'm glad that you brought that up. It's kind of surprising to me that that is still an untapped market in a way. I mean, it is and it isn't, right? But there are a lot of organizations I'm hearing start to say, oh, we really think we should invest in our sustainer program. And sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe I just get a little too ahead and I'm like, you're not already? But it's true. There is the, the way that humans work in the world today and pay for things is changing. And now more than ever, that sustainer model, that subscription model is really key and so nice and predictable for organizations. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I just, I just love it because otherwise you get, you get caught in the cycle of like churn and burn and acquisition. And when you really think through sustained giving, community, subscription model, the technology is there, guys, for people to be able to do this. It's just got to be turned on. So it's such 
low hanging fruit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I get it. Surprising. Oh, it is surprising. <laughs> yeah. I know. It is. It yep. is. So if you're listening to this and you want to get your sustainer program up and running, now is your time. You can do this. It's not that hard. We'll help you. I've got a question for you, ladies. Do you have a technology that you think is the most fun to implement? And you don't have to tell me about a particular software platform, but like what's something that maybe let's start with you, Sally, and then go to you, Charlotte. What's your favorite? What do you like doing the most? Oh, good question. I'm trying to think how to describe this, I guess, without naming names. <laughs> so I'll start. Nice. You can name a name if you want, I guess. Like, are you like, yeah, I just love CRM or I really like marketing automation oh. or this Facebook thing has really got me jazzed up. Like, what is it? What's your favorite thing? You know, I've heard of Facebook. I'm actually, I'm thinking about signing up for it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Does the guy I, I get what you're Zuckerberg? Saying. Zuckerberg, anyone? Right. I, <laughs> I, I get it now. I think digital marketing solutions are amazing. And, you know, the thing I mentioned automation before, and that's something that I wished that I used to have when I was at a nonprofit using a digital marketing solution. Every time we wanted to send an email, we had to go and set it up, even if we were just copying it and choosing the new audience. And, you know, from those days, you know, the early 2000s to now, the solutions for digital marketing have come such a long way with being able to do more and also to save time. I think that they are also pulling in way more native capabilities that, you know, 15 years ago, people didn't even seem to think were possible to be part of an all-in-one solution. So that's what I really like. I like the advanced digital marketing platforms that have all the best features that enable a nonprofit to save time and communicate with their supporters about their mission as, you know, kind of a, a way that enables them not to have what we'll call technology debt. So it's not a laborious process to do things. And then at the end of the day, you finally got the email out or the text messaging campaign and everybody collapses with exhaustion. You know, instead, these things just happen or it's not, you know, an arduous monthly process when, you go through and see whose credit cards are set to expire and send them a message. Your software can do that for you. And, you know, I just, I love all of these sort of time-saving pieces that come into it. And here's why. There's a lot of, you guys are probably familiar, I'd say, with like marketing and advertising and ads that remarket and follow you around the web when you've looked something up, you know, when you're online shopping or something like that. And, I think the availability of data is something that nonprofits can really take advantage of to make a difference for their mission. If only they could, and if only they, you know, knew how, and if only their software solution platform for digital marketing made it easy for them to do so. I know that sometimes advertising can feel a little intrusive and we joke about how it's creepy that, you know, when you say a word, the next thing you see in your Facebook feed is an ad for that very product. But I do think that as long as companies are approaching this with privacy in mind and not violating it or breaking the law, it does allow me as a consumer to receive ads for things that I'm actually likely to be interested in. And it's not showing me stuff that I am 
you know, would have no interest ever in exploring by and large. Sometimes, sometimes the algorithms are not correct, but, and that can be amusing. But I think the, the analogy can carry over into nonprofits. You can find people who probably do support your mission. They just don't know about you yet. And advertising and data can do that. But then once you've got those people, then how do you contact them with your best message at the right time that motivates them to make a donation to your organization and to become a sustainer? So a digital marketing platform that is using the latest and greatest thinking is the thing, I think, that will help nonprofits reach more people and change the world. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I mean, to be honest, that's why data and analytics at Pursuant has become such an intense focus for us and what we're doing with our new platform. So like the Giving DNA platform is all about actually understanding what donors care about what and in which channels they're more likely to respond so that you can really quickly like feed that into your marketing automation, email, all of that good stuff so that people are seeing the right stuff. I think you're right. Like the advertising thing, creepy, not creepy. You know, I do appreciate the fact that I don't see ads for lawnmowers. I see ads for things that I actually like might want to buy, you know? And (laughs) so I think you're connecting the dots between that and a nonprofit mission and the fact that someone might just they might be a supporter of you and you just don't even know it and they just don't even know you, but like you're the kind of mission that they get behind. So, so important. Such a good message. All right, Charlotte, what's, what's getting you jazzed up these days? Well, I feel like Sally covered a lot of the key things. And I was like, Oh, that, that, that one, that one. But I, I think one thing that, you know, has been kind of back to my point about sustainers that's been, getting Jazz up for a while is, um, is, is credit card updater and, you know, ensuring that organizations are taking advantage of that functionality. For those that aren't familiar with what that does, it's basically if your credit card expires because, you know, credit cards expire, it allows you to automatically get recharged and not lose. So the organization doesn't lose. That's the, that revenue that we they count on. But the supporter who has signed up and, you know, didn't, didn't say to the organization that they want to cancel their commitment, they, it can automatically, you know, renew. So it's just, it's a it's such, you know, and I was, you know, in the nonprofit space and before this functionality was available, you know, having running reports, having people, you know, get on the phone with the, with their supporters, asking them to renew or trying to send an email and the percentage of people that you would lose for no, you know, intentional reason of, of the supporter, you would lose that revenue. So I think, you know, that's been just a, something that, you know, it still is surprising to me, like we said, with the sustainers, that organizations aren't taking advantage of that functionality that exists and has been in the marketplace for a while, and everybody should be. Hey, Leah, do you have any follow-up thoughts you want to close out on? I actually don't. Louise did a really good job covering all your bases. I feel like I learned a lot. Cool. Great. We've heard it all. Well, <laughs> not all of it, but we've covered a lot here today. <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's, it really is a small industry. I was just talking to another old friend, I think from Convio the other day. And we were, I was talking about the two degrees of separation of Convio. I believe it's like only two degrees Hmm. and not six degrees like the Kevin Bacon thing. And it's just fun how all of these relationships come around full circle. So Sally and Charlotte, it's been an absolute pleasure 
to chat with you today and to get your recommendations on the RFP process for technology because that is something that's very specific when you're thinking about finding a technology partner or several as you think about what makes up your entire technology stack to to run your nonprofit and to do that cool sustained giving thing that you can do wink wink all right so that all being said if anyone wants to get in touch with you learn more find out how you can help them with their technology assessment what is the best way to do that well you can find us on the web at raiseheck.com so from our website you'll see all of our contact information and you know, if you just want to send us a quick email, then you can email both of us in one swoop, more efficient automation at hello at raisehack.com. Look how you made that easy. I love it. Also, go, <laughs> go check out their blog on that website. It's a good one. Uh, Sally and Charlotte both post really insightful information like this on the blog, and I recommend it. So, all right, guys. Thanks a lot. I hope Thank you've enjoyed you. this episode. And had some fun with us. We had fun with you. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you want to go check out our RFP kit, we've got a bunch of resources for you when it comes to learning about how to have a successful RFP process. We're adding this episode to that page so that you can think through your agency RFP process and your technology RFP process. Go to pursuant.com slash rfp grab that whole kit and enjoy it charlotte sally thanks a lot we'll see you next time thank, thank you, you guys both.